Welcome to Megan's Bookish Life, a podcast where literary meets lifestyle. Hi, Denise. Thanks for joining Megan's Bookish Life podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to chat tonight. I have never had a podcast at 7.30 p.m. in every, well, my time at least, but there's kids everywhere. And I'm like, guys, be quiet. I know you're outside, but shh. I might have bribed my child with some outside time before and unlimited chocolate chip cookies if he stays downstairs and quiet. So get that. That's so smart. I, did, I don't have a child, but I have them all out my window right now. <laughs> you know, I think book release and kid bribes go pretty hand in hand. So yeah, good for him. So we're going to get into uh, your books right away. So you're an author of five books with three on the way, which we'll get into later. But your first book was How to Fail at Flirting, which was released in 2020. So you have to tell me, was that your COVID baby or was it just something that you were writing for a while? Oh, good question. No, that was not. I mean, it wasn't my COVID baby and I didn't write it um, in COVID. So I actually wrote that. I started it in 2016. And um, kind of my story there is I actually I'm a academic like I, I do research writing. So I've never written fiction other than horrible poetry and short stories that were never finished. Um, but when I started uh, commuting uh, back and forth to work, I spent about an hour and a half in a car every day and I was listening to romance audio books. And I thought, you know what, I think I could write that. And then I didn't. And then I had a baby and was in the middle of a bunch of work things and just felt like, you know, I had lost myself. I felt so disconnected from myself. And that's when I started writing How to Fail Flirting um, in, in fall of 2016, I think. That book was done long before pandemic. And the way publishing works is actually, it had been purchased by my publisher, I think in spring 2019, or gosh, spring 2018, maybe. I don't even remember. They're all like running together. Um, but it was like a year and a half until it came out. So it was my pandemic baby in that it was born in the pandemic, but it was conceived long before that um, in 2016 when the world was just 2016ing it up. So yeah, that was really interesting and, you know, a little heartbreaking and a little lovely to release a book at the, you know, the height of when it was pretty bad. Uh, so, or one of the heights of when it was pretty bad. The other book releases were a lot more fun. <laughs> well, yeah. Tell me what you were thinking. Like, were you scared about releasing a book during COVID? Were you like kind of excited because everyone's at home? Like what were your thoughts on the, on the COVID release of How to Fail at Flirting? I don't know. It was really a mixed bag. I was part of a group uh, on Facebook and then actually we, we still meet, but a group of 2020 debuts in romance and across lots of genres. There were a lot of us and we talked. And so since I was a December release, I got to hear all of their stories and see their experiences and see other people going through it. And so in December, you know, I was kind of prepared for that. And on one hand, it was disappointing to not be able to like, you know, I did go in and sign books, but we were masked. We didn't talk to anybody at one of my favorite local bookstores. They weren't open, but they stocked the books and they wanted me to come sign. So like they put them on a little table and set them right outside the door and we signed it and we got lucky with nice weather in December in Iowa. But, you know, like some of those fun author moments like you, you did, we didn't get to have in the fall of 2020. But on the upside, like people were reading a lot. They were in, you know, their home, they were reading a lot. And so that was cool. And like a lot of people who maybe didn't 
read as much before we're really getting into it. And romance, I think, was a great genre to be writing anytime, but that time because it's an escape. Um, and so, you know, it was a mixed bag, but ultimately it was still amazing. Like, it, I mean, putting a book out there is just unlike anything else. It's like being terrified someone's going to tell you your baby's ugly, being certain someone's going to tell you your baby's ugly, and then a hundred people just really wanting to hold your baby and some a little too much. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's like that weird balance, but it's so awesome. And this book coming out here shortly is my sixth book. And so I've gotten to do a lot of that. Um, but more recently we get to do the in-person stuff. So it's just kind of an interesting balance. What has been cool is that because I didn't get to do you know, that fun in-person stuff with my first book, like each of the subsequent books have kind of had something new. Like I got printed advanced reader copies for this book. I hadn't had that before because of COVID things and COVID changes. And I get to have a real like in-person launch party with a cake that isn't just for me and my child and my husband, like other people are going to eat it. So, you know, like little things like that are kind of the fun, like, I don't know, the frosting on being an author. Um, and so that's like a cool shift. As a reader, I really enjoy in-person events with an author. It doesn't matter if they released a book uh, that that summer or whatever. It's it's the connection um, with other people, especially your author, because I always wanted to be an author and that kind of thing. And it in person, we love to see it. It's so much fun, and uh, virtual is fun too. And and what I do love about the virtual events. And, and I'm still doing those, but is that it does open it up to like other people. So, you know, I'm in Iowa, I'm in the Midwest, like there are a lot of in-person events I would never be able to go to, you know, authors I wouldn't necessarily be able to hear speak in person because they aren't coming to Des Moines, Iowa, you know, as often as there may be in New York or LA or even, you know, Chicago. Um, and so I, I do think that was cool. Like I got to be at events in New York and California and Germany and, you know, talk with people in Brazil and, you know, do that kind of traveling thing. Um, and because we all got so comfortable with virtual events, like that opened it up. But yeah, being with people in person is is amazing. And I have some awesome local bookstores here in, in Iowa and then some places I've traveled to and like just being in the space with people or being in libraries and, you know, getting to interact and have conversations in person just is, it is amazing. I'm going to ask you, are you an introvert or an extrovert as an author? Because I have known some authors who are introverts who don't do signings and they're just like, you know what? I released a book. I'm not going to do signing. You sound like extrovert, but let, tell me from your from your own mind. What what do you think you are? Yeah, I'm an extrovert. And every time I take like the MBTI, I, uh, the Myers-Briggs type indicator, I'm extrovert, but just over the line. So I can be perfectly comfortable and kind of draw strength and energy by myself. But I also love being around people. And I'm a Leo, so I probably just like being the center of attention, too. Um, so, you know, it's probably a combination of things. I feel like we're the same person. I'm also a Leo, July 25th. So I think I'm in the cusp of a Leo. And um, I'm also an extra. <laughs> Our birthdays are one day apart. So there are you, you July go. 26th, 24th? Mine's the 26th. And actually, I was born in um, Tokyo. My dad's in the military or was in the military. So I was born in Tokyo. And so it was the 25th in the States and the 26th there, I think. And so I have always said that, like, I get two birthdays. And nobody has ever, like, supported that. But I still think it in my heart. Will you have, like, a birthday week or birthday month? And then it will just celebrate the whole month for you instead. Yeah, I think a birthday month is legit. I had a supervisor who was a big fan of the birthday month. And so 
I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to start mine too early because it's at the end of July. So could I have like mid-July to mid-August? But I work in higher education, so August is always busy. So maybe just all of July makes more sense. Smart. You teach at a university. So this is this is going to be um, a random question I really want to ask. Do students or like teachers maybe ever come up to you and tell you they've read your books? Uh, yeah, actually, that happens all the time. Really? Um, so I do teach. I also work in an administrative capacity and um, work closely with, with students, which is what my my training is in. Um, but no, like the local book the book, bookstore on campus stocks my books. I actually need to go in and see if they want me to sign any. Um, I've done signings on campus. I talk with students all the time about writing. I actually teach a class on uh, romance novels and social justice. So um, that's definitely not something that I hide or shy away from talking about, even though it's not my job like it's not what I'm doing there um, but if people ask about it or have questions about it or sometimes for students it's like a foray into you know being able to build a connection with them is talking about writing or publishing or um, you know, maybe they're a romance reader um, or something along those lines and I the other thing I really I don't know I kind of like to do and I think it can be important to do is to talk proudly about romance um, so when I always tell the story, when I started reading romance, and when I started writing it, if somebody said, what are you reading? I had a copy of the goldfinch on my Kindle and I had read the first page. So if anybody ever asked me or they happened to like pick up my Kindle or like got in my car and the audio synced up, it was like, oh, I just started the goldfinch, which was technically true, but I'll be honest to God and everybody, I never got past the first page. I'm sure it's a lovely book, but I wanted to read romance. Um, and I was, you know, ashamed of whatever beautiful romance book I was reading. And at a certain point, I stopped saying that. And when people asked, you know, what are you writing? I went from saying, you know, oh, it's romance and it's a little steamy and this, you know, very much a whisper to just sharing, you know, that I write romance with like badass heroines about, you know, real world issues and they're funny and they're steamy. And the first one takes place in academia. And so, um, I just talk about that normally, like, you know, anybody I think would talk about their books. And I think that that's actually been really cool. I found so many people who also love romance who don't talk about it. Um, and so many students who are interested in writing and publishing and have questions. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. I've had a few awkward conversations with people I didn't think would read it, but they only awkward because of my misconceptions or like I did not expect this person to be reading romance. But, yeah, let's go. Let's talk about it. Um, so that uh, throws you sometimes, but it is kind of cool when students figure it out and they're excited. So when I started reading romance, it was literally going to be honest, like two years ago, because I was always like, I don't want to fall in love. So I don't want to read about it. <laughs> but now, now, obviously, I'm reading everything. And romance is like my number one, because I think it's just it's it's a fun escape and it's Everyone loves a good happily ever after. Well, at least I do. I can't write romance, but I love to read romance. And, you know, that's part of the class I, I teach with my friend um, Emily. It's it's a discussion-based class, but we really use romance as a way to explore social justice. But we're also looking at the genre and, you know, interrogating criticisms of it and interrogating stigma around romance and how that relates to you know, generally smashing the patriarchy. So I love teaching that class. We've taught it, um, the first semester we taught it actually was spring 2020. So we finished just as the pandemic was uh, getting up. But I think this will be our fourth time teaching it. And it's always just fascinating because some of the students have read romance, but many of them haven't. So we're getting to introduce them to the genre, 
we have now a whole library that we can lend out to them. And so uh, that's a lot of fun. What's your required reading in that class? I'm so interested. <laughs> I can share the syllabus. We taught it online a couple of years ago. Actually, the first year we taught it online. But um, for uh, like 500 members of Romance Landia, we have a ton of articles. There's probably 100 in our database and they read different ones and report on them. They kind of give us some ideas of what they want to read. And then we do a blind date with a, a book. And so we assign them a book based on kind of their preferences and they have to read it and review it. And then we also require that they, for that book or a different book, have to do some kind of like TikTok post or they have to do a Goodreads review or they have to do a small YouTube review, but essentially like a, not a formal critical review, but more of a popular culture mixed media review of a book. So we get into some of those genres, not even genres, those um, like medium. So like Bookstagram and BookTok and BookTube and, and different podcasts. And we have them listen to different podcasts that deal with romance and smashing the patriarchy. So it's a great like mix of things. I started, mm, what's today? Uh, this past Monday. So I've only had two classes of creative nonfiction. It's my oh. first time in university since I was 19 and I'm 29 now. So 10 years I've since I dropped out, I'm back in the university scene. Well, welcome um, back. Thank you. And so I'm I'm going for journalism and English. And um, my creative nonfiction class, we're reading a book called The Art of the Personal Essay. Like, I like the teacher. It's only been two days. But I want to do something more like you're doing, like some pop culture stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not from the 1800s, but we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see yeah, what I write. forward a little bit, but it has changed a bit. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so back to your books. You have written three novellas that came out this year, The Love Connection, The Misconnection, and The Sweetest Connection. What made you want to write these short stories and instead of like combining them to a book? And are they going to be a book eventually? Yeah, great question. So um, that was actually uh, kind of born out of a collaborative discussion um, with the the publisher. So I had pitched the the first one, the the love connection, really just as, you know, what if there was a story about an airport dog groomer who had a crush on somebody walking through the airport? And I think at the time they'd wanted something small town, like with an animal, like that kind of idea. And I, I've lived in college towns, but I don't know that I feel like I could write well a small town. I've never, I've lived in small cities, but like never really a small town. And so well, by Iowa standards anyway. Um, so I thought about like small communities and I've always loved airports. I think they're so fascinating. I love the culture of airports and the, the flow and the energy of airports. And I'm always convinced I'm going to run into my ex-boyfriend there. I don't know why. This, this is one particular ex-boyfriend and it's, we're friends on Facebook. I've seen him before since we broke up and it was years ago, but I don't know. I'm just always sure I'm going to run into him. I never have. But um, anyway, so that's where I started. And then we looked at that idea of a series. And so those came out in um, April, May, and June, they came out audio first, and I love audiobooks, so that was so fun to get to pick the narrators and and write books that I knew were going to be audio first, and then ebooks, and they are actually going to be printed, so they're going to be compiled into one book that'll be print and ebook um, that'll be out on let's say, March 14th, so this coming spring, it's called Love and Other Flight Delays, and I got to reveal the cover a few weeks ago. I'm obsessed with the cover; it's like bright yellow. It's adorable. But I'm excited for those to be like in print. If you like audiobooks, I think they're pretty fun as audio. The narrators are so good. 
and they're not quite as like sexy as my first book or the one that's about to come out. They're a little bit more slow burn. But when you get there, like it's open door. And I'm just going to say those narrators can get it uh, when you get there. So, I mean, I don't know if that's to put too fine a point on it, but I would listen to Shane East, Jacoby Diem, or Teddy Hamilton read the phone book. And they do a lot more than read the phone book. So, uh, yeah, those were a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so I have the ebooks and I need to do the audiobooks now. Okay, thank you for talking me into it. Oh, my God. And the women who narrate are also amazing. I would listen to any of them, too. It's January Lavoie is part of the first one with Shane East. Um, Zenzi Williams, who I had not uh, worked with before, but who's phenomenal, is with Jacoby Dam in the second one. And Angel Peen, who does a lot of like YA books, I think, um, did the character with Teddy Hamilton in The Sweetest Connection. And they're just all so good. I've had this conversation before, especially on Bookstagram. Well, when someone has a like a bad narrator to an audiobook, but they have a really good print book, it kind of puts you off with the audio. I don't think I have read one bad audiobook yet. I love audiobooks, and there yeah. are definitely, I think there, I don't know, I mean, I guess maybe there are bad narrators, but I think that there are narrators either whose voice I just don't jive with, or who don't, for me, like match the cadence of the book. That's usually where I get stuck on narrators. But on the other hand, I have definitely listened to full books that I did not enjoy that much. But I definitely listened to them because of the narrator. And I've also found authors I love simply because, you know, this narrator was narrating their book. And I was like, you know what? Today I'm in the mood to hear Jacob Morgan. Today I really need to hear the combination of Aaron Mallon and Sebastian York or whatever. Yeah, I read, okay, what was it? It it was Sharp Objects by Jillian Flynn, who does The Gone Girl. So I don't yeah, really yeah. do thrillers, but I listened to an audiobook of it one time and I was like obsessed. I was like that last ending and the way she said it, I was like audiobooks take take my home my whole bank account. Oh, if I if I ever get to do an event with um January Lavoy, she'll do um this third book that's coming out. So she will have done three of my books. Um, I'll just fangirl all over the place. And she is also a professor, which is so cool. And so, yeah, I'm such a huge nerd when it comes to audiobooks. And I got to, for my second novel, The Fastest Way to Fall, I got to um, record the author's note. So I got to go into a studio and like work with the the director and the producer like over Skype. And I must have taken 7,000 selfies while I was doing that. That was just about it took me longer to take the selfies than to actually record the two pages. Uh, but it was still that moment of like, yes, I've made it. I'm narrating something. <laughs> that is a dream. Thank you for living it for all of us. <laughs> it was so cool. So this actually is a good thing you said that book. So I love all your books that you've written. There's no there's no favorites. But I do have to say the one that won my heart was The Fastest Way to Fall because it's my first one that I've read by you. So I have like a pile in my room for like a, a book pile that says like giveaway slash sell. And then I have a bookcase full of things that I keep because I love. So the fastest way to fall is on the top of my bookcase. <laughs> um, um, I love that. I love that story so much. Because I'm a plus size woman and I can read about plus size women makes me feel so much better about myself. I'm like, she can fall in love. I can fall in love. All that. Um, and I, I feel like I learned so much when I was writing that book. So I actually started that book in the fall of, I think it was the 
fall of 18. Um, and I was doing National Novel Writing Month, which is where you try to write a 50,000 word novel novella in one month. And I wrote almost all of that book in one month. I don't know how I wrote that fast. I certainly can't do that anymore. Um, but that story just flowed out of me and I fell in love with those characters so much. And then it went through a lot of editing. As I was going through that editing process, you know, there were, I showed it to so many of my smart friends and then of course, like my editor and, and those folks, but who commented on things that I never even thought about in terms of bodies and in terms of fat phobia and how we frame things and like language. And Britta in that book is much, she's probably has a much healthier outlook than me, <laughs> like life and bodies, um, but I'm trying. But I learned just so many things when I was writing that that has changed so much of the way like I look at my own body and like even the way I don't think I was negative about my body before, but just like things that I could have been more positive about that I couldn't. And so, yeah, that book definitely has a special place in my heart. Uh, Wes, the hero, is just my boo forever. And and I love Britta, the heroine. And so I, I love all my characters kind of differently. But that one, being a fat woman myself, like just had a special place for me, too. I'm not a person who's like, I'm, I'm seen, but this one, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm seen. I feel this. <laughs> you know, I've, um, I've been really busy with work and writing and I hadn't, I don't reread my books, but I can listen to the audiobooks. I think there's just enough distance with somebody else reading it that I really enjoy listening to my own audiobooks, even though I don't go back and read my books, um, in print. And so that one I hadn't listened to in quite a while. And I, there was some scene I was trying to remember the details of. And so I put it on when I was driving home the other day. And I was just like, oh, my babies. I miss them so much. The heart. <laughs> so let's talk about your brand new book coming out September 6th of this year. So it's called Do You Take This Man? The synopsis, I don't want to read the whole thing, but it is. Okay, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read the, the short synopsis, actually. I lied. <laughs> So after butting heads, an event planner and a wedding officiant begin an enemies with benefits arrangement as wedding bells chime around them. So I did some research like a good podcast host. Thank you guys so much. I saw that Do Take This Man has a 3.99 star rating out of Goodreads on Goodreads. But that's only the the advanced reader copies, which is amazing because some people are hard on those arcs. Like, how do you feel when when something you wrote gets so high praise, especially when it's not even out yet? You know, honestly, I I don't read my reviews or I try really hard not to. Um, with my first book, I was like, you know, I'm an academic. I'm used to critique. I can read these. Until I had a really negative one that I could probably still quote to you word for word. Like two years later, it's like, no, nope, no, nope, this is not good for me. And it's not my space anyway. So um, I actually don't read my reviews. I'll I'll look periodically at like the Goodreads number, but you're right. Like, you know, that's advanced readers. Some people are really tough. Some people are really easy. It usually kind of levels out once readers get in there. Um, but, you know, I do get tagged in reviews and usually if I get tagged, it's positive. Um, so I do read those and it's, it's awesome. Like getting to, you know, people react to different books differently. And with this one, I think people have reacted to the fact that it's kind of hot. Uh, there's a lot of steamy scenes in it. Um, the characters, you know, there's a lot of heart, but also the characters are funny. It's more a lighter rom-com tone. Um, with my first two books, I heard a lot and I still hear a lot like this meant so much to me or I saw myself in this or this motivated me. And I, I save all of those messages like they're amazing to get. So it's kind of different. But yeah, you know, ratings are so interesting as an author because I think it's like so many other things you could have, you know, all of these four and five star ratings. They're like, this book was amazing. And you're totally going to focus on that one, like 
two star that's like, this is trash or whatever, even though, you know, that's not the balance. So for my own like mental health, I really just actually try to stay away from the details. And I have a friend and I do this for her as well. We'll just go in and like cherry pick quotes and like just copy and paste some like good reviews so we can kind of see what people are liking. And what's interesting with this book, and I, I haven't read the reviews, but I assume this will be the critique for people for some people, is that the heroine is tough. Like she is not soft and fluffy. She is not like sweet and gooey. Like she is tough as nails. She is kind of an alpha heroine. She um, has her walls up for good reason. Like she has a lot of heart and a lot of humor and is a wonderful person, but she is not like the soft, let me bake you cookies and tell you how lovely you are kind of person. And some people I think really love that. Like, I love that. I think that's me, but some people really want like nice, you know, nice women. And that's not RJ. Um, and that's not what Lear wants, the kind of as the hero. So I know that that'll be a critique. I'm ready for that. But um, generally like it, it's amazing to see people and know that people are spending time you know, with your words and with your books. And that's exciting. I cannot wait to read this book. I have to spend some time by myself reading this book because I'm going to binge it. So. Well, I hope you love it. Um, Lear is a hero that's so different from my other heroes, but again, my whole heart, I love Lear and RJ is just, she's, she's tough. And I just love her so much. Like she suffers no fools. We love that. We love that. So let's do a last question and then we have a game real quick. Well, not a question, but you have a new book in 2023 coming out called Even If the Sky is Falling, which I've done some research and there's not many research things to do about that. So I'm not going to be that person to be like, tell me the tea, but can you give me any info on that book? <laughs> sure, sure. So um, that one is actually an anthology and so it's edited by Taj McCoy. So I contributed a story as well as um, Cherish Reed did, uh, Far Heron, Lane Clark. Oh gosh, Sarah Smith. And I think one other person I'm blanking. Um, but that was pitched as basically Love Actually meets your favorite 90s uh, disaster movie where they kiss at the end. So essentially all of these different people think literally the sky is falling and the world is ending. And it's not, but all of these couples are sheltering in place. So my couple are two, another character who suffers no fools actually, a tough woman two former academic rivals who are back on their college campus as alums um, and they get stuck in their old science building together. Um, and so it, it's pretty steamy. It, it actually opens in the middle of a steamy scene. And I just had a lot of fun writing that. It's, it's fluffy. It's, you know, a little like fantastical. Um, and I've read a couple of the other contributors stories. I haven't read everybody's yet. Um, but yeah, that'll be out in, I think, summer 23. Mine, um, Love and Other Flight Delays will be out in March. And actually my next novel will be out in September 23, um, which is if you've read The Fastest Way to Fall, the next novel is Pearl and Cord's Story, who are side characters in that book. Okay, that was a tea. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Here for it. Yes. Okay, so I normally name my game something really interesting. This one, it didn't come to me as much, but I it's called Play a Piece with Denise. Okay. So, um, not amazing. This guy named Chip one time, I named his game Chip Chip Hooray. I can't beat that. I can't beat that. So, it's not a timed game. It's like a would you rather kind of thing. Okay. But the first one's going to be timed because I have to read it to you and you have to think of the first thing. I okay. always do this one. Name the first book that comes to your head right now. 
oh my gosh, I'm like looking around, like what book is around me? Um, you know, the first one that came to mind is Booked on a Feeling by J.C. Lee, which I haven't had a chance to read yet, but it's sitting right next to me. Um, so that was also me reading seven books at a time and being like, I can't think of any book names. What are books? Okay, good. Because I was like, I always think of like, one time I was like the Bible and I was like, does that count? Oh my God. I, I feel the same way. I cannot do time, but I did that for you. Okay. So would you rather date Wes from the fastest way to fall or Jake from how to fail at flirting? Okay, well, I am married and they are both married. Um, if folks haven't read the bonus wedding short story for Britta and Wes, like that's happened. Um, but if we were all single, you know, I think I would choose Jake because Wes has a lot going on and he's so sweet and lovely, but also I want him in therapy, which he is by the end of the book. But I think I would choose Jake, who also has some stuff going on. And also someday I need to write a, a, like a chapter from Jake's point of view. That book is my only book that's single point of view. And so you're never fully in, in Jake's head. So I think, yeah, I choose Jake. Interesting. I love that for you. This is kind of a question where I, I like to ask everybody because I get different answers. So would you rather outline or write as you go? So what, what do you do? Yeah, I would rather write as I go. Um, that doesn't really work when you're doing traditional publishing because you have to turn in an outline when you're selling the book, um, when you're pitching the book. So I've turned into an outliner, but I really love to just sit down and kind of see what happens. There's a book idea that's been swimming in my head that I have no business writing because I have other things I'm supposed to be writing. But I definitely sat down and I only had about 20 minutes in my lunch hour today. But as I was scarfing my sandwich, I was definitely just starting a chapter to see like where it would go. And I don't have an outline yet. I don't have a plan. Um, but I, I do love that moment of possibility when kind of anything is ready for the page. I wish I could outline. I feel like that would make characters easier for me, but I have to write as I go too. No matter if it's a class, if it's a, if it's a random writing thing, I feel the same way. My first two books I wrote with no outline, like um, How to Fail at Flirting was completely off the seat because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I didn't know how to write fiction. I had no training. Um, and The Fastest Way to Fall, I knew a little bit more, but I didn't, I think I half-asked half a outline and then I ignored it after like the first sentence. So those two were really written with no no preparation, no real plan. And my others, again, I've had an outline because we had to to pitch them to the publisher. but. Okay, this is not a book question, but this is a question that I have to know. What is your favorite candle smell? You know, I'm, I don't know what it is about me, but I'm always nervous about burning my candles. So I like never light them. I have, there's a, a bookcase behind me and there's about 27 mugs and 15 candles on it that I never use. Uh, but I have a citrus candle right now that's on my warmer. Actually, it's holding up this book right now. Um, it is from the Heal Candle Company, which is a, a woman of color owned business in Kansas and it's a citrus blend and it smells like grapefruit and oranges and I love the smell of this see I, I can show it on camera here like it's never been lit I just melt it all the time um but it smells so good and so refreshing and kind of summery that that is one of my favorites and then I'm always just a sucker for like vanilla or sandalwood my books have been in the um, authentic book boxes and Natisha and her crew like always put a candle in there. And so like my, uh, my book husband was the one for Jake that's over here somewhere on my bookcase. And I forget what the second one was called, but those smells are always so good too. So have you ever cried at a book? And if so, which one? Cause I need a good cry. 
Oh, cried at a book? Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, have you ever cried? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, basically everything Kennedy Ryan writes. Uh, Kennedy Ryan is one of my absolute favorite authors and, you know, one of my favorite people. She's just phenomenal. And I've only seen her in person once because of the pandemic. But I was like, I'm going to hug you. And she's like, if I hug you first. And I was like, my world is exploding. Um, but any of her books, really. Longshot was one of the first of hers that I read, which is very heavy, like, uh, graphic domestic violence and sexual assault, like on the page. Um, so folks prepare for that, but the emotional tenor of that and really all the books in that series, but um, Queen Move and the All the King's Men duet and Real and basically everything she's written. I have her new one, An Arc Downstairs, waiting for my release week, so I have time to read it. But she definitely is an author that like has the emotional and the angst and the tears, but also keeps it very hot very hot. Like her characters are authentically funny, even though they're not rom-coms. Um, and just has plots that are, you know, just keep going. But more than anything, she's an author I love to read because her writing is so mellifluous. Like I can just get lost in every page of every book I read because her writing is just so good. Um, and she just has such a grasp on words. But when you get to those emotional scenes, like it's just time to ball. <laughs> Well, you know, Kennedy Ryan was a brand new name for me, I think, I don't know, like two weeks ago. And then I did like a podcast episode, like a reading roundup with my friend. And she was like, hoops. I was like, what do you mean hoops? And she's like, hoops by Kennedy Ryan. Amazing book. And I was like, oh, so I definitely followed her real quick on Instagram. So I'm excited. I should try one of her books. I'm excited for that. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, Queen Move is one I love that's kind of softer. But the All the King's Men duet is probably my favorite of hers. And it, it's two books, but the first one ends in a cliffhanger. You'll want the second one. And it's like um, romantic suspense. It's an indigenous heroine. It's an ethical billionaire hero. It gets into sustainability. It takes place over like 20 years. There's kidnappings and political intrigue. And um, it gets into the politics around like missing and murdered indigenous women and land rights. And it's like everything. And the hero is super alpha. It's very hot. But that is probably one of my more favorites recently. Read it. And then if you do read it, like DM me because I always want to talk about it. Okay, Kenley Ryan, we're out for you. We're excited. Yeah, all that. So Denise Williams, thank you so much for being on this episode of Megan's Bookish Life. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. This was so much fun. Like, it's fun to talk about the book. Like, I love my books. But it's also fun to kind of get into some of these other pieces and talk about writing and reading and, and all of that. So thank you so much. Hi, everyone. And thank you for listening to Megan's Bookish Life, a podcast where literary meets lifestyle. Don't forget to subscribe and follow me on Instagram at Megan's Bookish Life Podcast.